we're part two in our series entitled The Blessed Life. Everyone say, The Blessed Life. And we have a young couple that's just started out in their journey on The Blessed Life. And we want to welcome Zach and Carrie Anderson. First time together in church as a married couple. Let's give them a great big hand. Come on, just stand up. Come on, just stand up so we can see you guys. Amen. God bless you. That was a beautiful wedding. That was incredible. It was just awesome. You guys did a great job. Zach, Carrie, well planned, well thought out, executed perfectly. And we're so proud of you. Thank you. Thank you for standing and letting everybody see how tall you are. <laughs> They're going to have their own NBA team right there, man. How are you doing? Good? Are you ready? Let's do it. Turn your Bibles this morning. Acts chapter 28, Acts chapter 28, Acts chapter 20, verse number 35, it'll help if the preacher can get there. I'm going to go old school, I'm actually going to read from the Bible this morning, Acts chapter 20. So how many of you brought your Bibles this morning? Okay, you bring your Bible, I'll start reading from my Bible, you bring your Bible, I'll bring my Bible, and uh, it'll all be good. Old school this morning, Acts chapter 20, verse number 35. When you get there, say, I got it. Give me just a minute. All right, about half of you got it. So we're going to read a passage out of the New Testament, just one little phrase, and then we're going to go over to Malachi chapter 3. We're going to read verses 6 through 12. Acts chapter 20, beginning with verse number 35. Just this little portion here. As the Lord Jesus has said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Say that with me. It is more blessed to give than to receive. More blessed. Now, I like to receive. I just got a great little golf cart thing there. You know, I have to rent that every other Monday night when I go play with our golf team. So I don't have to rent one anymore. I was looking at one in the store that I was like, ah, man. That's just another, another, everything in golf's $100. I mean, at least. I mean, that's just to warm it up. And so, uh, I love to receive, but the Bible says it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Now, I want you to turn over to Malachi chapter 3. If you're here for the very first time, you haven't been in church for a long time, maybe you've never been to church before this morning, maybe this is like your first time, uh, I'm going to confirm your worst nightmares, that all God wants is your money today. <laughs> we're going to talk about money, Jesus talked about money. As a matter of fact, Jesus talked about money, giving, and stewardship two times, two to three times more than he ever talked about heaven or hell. There are more references to money, management of money, and giving in the Bible than there is to heaven, hell, and prayer. It's amazing. Because there's something about this one area that's so sensitive and so private to us. Because we feel like we're in control. Malachi chapter 3 God has another perspective. We're going to read, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn. Malachi chapter 3 is the last book in the Old Testament. We're going to begin with verse number 6. And I want to remind you this morning, I'm just the reporter. I didn't write this. I'm just reporting to you what God said. Malachi chapter 3, verse number 6. For I am the Lord. God speaking. Everyone say, God speaking to me. Okay. For I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed, 
O sons of Jacob. You're not consumed, O sons of Jacob. You know, when God used the name Jacob like this, and this is literally over a millennium from the time that Jacob lived, when God used this name like this, it was because the children of Israel were living like Jacob lived before God changed his name and God changed his heart. Jacob was a rascal. The, the Bible actually, when they use many times in the Bible, when someone has a name, the name of that person is reflective of the character. And the name Jacob in the Hebrew literally means supplanter, deceiver, slick one. Jacob was slick just like his mama was slick and like his father-in-law was slick and just like a whole line of people in his family were slick. Jacob was a slick one. He was a trickster. He was a trickster. His heart was crooked. His heart wasn't completely set on doing right with God. And God says to the children of Israel. He doesn't call them the children of Israel. He calls them sons of Jacob. You know why he says that? He's calling them sons of Jacob because they're living just like Jacob lived before he had a new life. Listen, you sons of Jacob. You have not been consumed. In other words, the life that they were living really deserved God's punishment, God's judgment, but God was going to have mercy on them one more time. Look at verse number 7. Yet from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. But God says, return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, in what way shall we return? What way shall we return to God? What is going to be the mark that our heart is in right relationship with God? And God says, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, In what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with the curse. For you have robbed me even this whole nation. Bring all. Everyone say all. Verse number 10. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try. Everyone say try. The word try here, if you have the NIV, is the word test or prove. Try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven. Everyone say windows of heaven. Oh, I just like that phrase. Windows of heaven. And pour out for you such blessing. Everyone say blessing. There will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourers for your sake. So that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground. Nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit. For in that field says the Lord of hosts. Verse number 12. For all the nations shall call you blessed. For you will be a delightful. Verse number 12. For you will be a delightful land says the Lord of hosts. You'll be a delightful land. Wow, what a great promise. Father, in these next few moments, by the Holy Spirit's power, not my words, but your words, I thank you today that you speak to the hearts of your people through the, the declaration and the proclamation of your word. I thank you today for the work you've already done in preparing our hearts through this time of worship as we've corporately worshiped you in song. But now, Lord, I offer this message to you as an act of worship. And I pray, Lord, in just a few moments, at the end of this message, Lord, when we come to you and we bring our tithe and our offerings, it will truly be an act of worship today. An act of worship that you receive by faith. 
in your name. Now, Jesus, I ask this in your mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. How many of you ever heard of a sermon that Jesus preached entitled, The Sermon on the Mount? Anybody ever heard that sermon before? Well, I'm going to preach to you a message this morning called, The Sermon on the Amount. The Sermon on the Amount. There was an old preacher boy, he was someplace up in North Georgia, and and air conditioning went out in the building one day, and he got before his small congregation, and he said, you know, we did things a little differently today. We sang a few songs, and normally we would take the offering after the, word, after the songs, but today we're going to take the offering in just a couple of minutes. He said, I've come to this pulpit prepared this morning to preach three messages. You know, it's going to cost $10,000 for that new air, con- air conditioning unit that just went out so you can sit in a nice, cool, air-conditioned building today. He said, in order for that to happen, we need that $10,000. So the first message that I prepared is five minutes long. But you only get that message if you give $10,000 today. The second message that I prepared is a message going to last about an hour. But you've got to give at least $5,000 to get that one. He said, but the third message is three hours long. And he said, if you give anything less than $5,000, you're going to get a three-hour message. (laughs) Story goes that he got his $10,000 that day. The people got a short message. I'm going to give you a short message today, but I pray that the Holy Spirit uses this message to touch your heart, to do what only God can do. Because the promises of God are yes and amen to them that believe. You see, I've got to give a disclaimer here right now. If you are here this morning and you're a regular tither and you're a regular giver, you're like, yeah, go, Pastor. If you're here this morning and this is an area, you're a believer and you know you should do it, but there always seems to be more month than money. And, well, you know, the church, they'll make it. It'll be all right. God doesn't really need my money. It's okay. And you'll be looking down, and just like they did the last service. They're looking around and looking at their clock and wondering this is going to get over. And then some of you could give a flip about what I say, and you're going to leave here, and it's not going to make one difference in your life. And my prayer is for you that you hear this, that you hear today how much God really cares about you, how much God really loves you. And I believe this morning, as you open your heart, God will do something for you, through you, and in you that only He can do as He gives you the faith to see, for you to see that He is your source. You know, we're a blessed people. This is a blessed test this morning. We're the most blessed people on planet earth. Do you know today that three, three billion people live on less than two dollars a day? I've been in some of those countries. I've been around some of those people. You know what I notice about those people? They seem to be as about as happy as the people that I come in contact with. People that live on two dollars a day, sometimes they seem to even be happier. How could that be? Wow. We're the most blessed people on the planet. If you have a home, if you live in a home, if you drive an automobile, you had enough food in your stomach and food in the pantry and a couple of bucks in your pocket, you're in the top 5% of all the wealthiest people in the world. Say, I am blessed. But I want you to know today you are blessed, but God created you to be a blessing. We are people who love to receive. But God said it ain't just about receiving. It's about learning how to give. And there's something about money that happens in your life 
and my life that God uses as one of the greatest tests to see where your heart is really at. The point of my message this morning is that giving back to God what is His releases faith and freedom to truly live the blessed life. Just read that with me. Read it out loud. Giving back to God what is His releases the faith and freedom to truly live a blessed life. God wants you to live a blessed life. Jesus said in John 10, 10, I've come to give you life. Everyone say life. And life more abundantly. But your thief, your adversary, your enemy, the devil, Satan, has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So we have a problem. We have the promises of God, we have the Word of God, and then we have our practical experience. We have the promises of God, we have the Word of God, we have the truth of God's Word that changes the human heart, that brings miracles into people's lives, and then we have our practical daily life, what we experience. You know, for some people in this room, they never heard about tithing before. They never heard about the blessing of the blessed life of generosity and giving. And today, I'm going to give you a pass, but by the end of this message, you're not going to get a pass. By the end of this message, you're not going to get a pass because God is going to speak to your heart today. Maybe some people in this room, no one ever modeled it for you. Maybe your parents that only thought about church was, shoot, all that church, and they didn't say shoot. They said another word, all that church wants is your money. I ain't going to give to that church. All them preachers run around doing that. You know, the sad thing is, there's a few guys that make it on television, and they seem to do really well. And sometimes they don't do very well with their lives. They don't live the kind of lives that honor God. And these few guys represent the whole body of Christ. And I'm going to tell you today that 95% of the pastors, I mean, not even 70% of the pastors in America earn their living from preaching. Almost 70% of pastors in America have to be bivocational. In other words, they work a job just like you, and then they have to stand up and do what I do every week. Those guys are my heroes. They're all over the community. I had lunch with one this past Friday, Pastor Cubit Malone, who pastors right here in Sanford. I had lunch with Cubit. He has to work a full-time job so that he can do what God has really called him to do. You know, the fact is today, you can't let what else someone else does determine what you're going to do in obedience to God's word. Some people are so in debt. They have so much debt. Credit cards, mortgage payments, car payments. There is no way. I just can't see it. It's going to be impossible. I can't see how if I give God his first, that 10% which belongs to him, how in the world can I ever make it? You just can't see it. It doesn't make sense. Because see, there's two ways to look at life. There's the natural mind, and then there's the spiritual mind. There is the eye of what you see, and then there is the eye of the unseen. The unseen is the eye of faith. And it is the eye of faith that moves mountains in your life. If you live by feelings, if you live by your emotions, if you live by what you see, God and His power will be very limited in your life. Very, you'll just go to church. It'll be just like, well, whatever. I'm, you know, those people are weird. Man, what, you know, it never makes sense. But when you step into the dimension of God's supernatural, His grace, His faith, His hope, His love, you get a whole new paradigm. We talked about it last week. A whole new paradigm. A different way of living. Some people think it's all theirs. They own it. They can do whatever they want with it. 
Some people try to spiritualize it. Well, you know, I'm not very cheerful about the way that church handles their money down there, so I'm just going to hold my tithe. Some people say, you know, the Bible says God loves a cheerful giver, and I'm not very cheerful today. As a matter of fact, I'm kind of ticked off. I'm kind of mad, so I don't have to tithe. People, uh, you know, that was Old Testament. Well, let me tell you what happened in the New Testament when God got a hold of their heart. When God got a hold of their heart, they sold houses, they sold homes, they didn't worry about their 401k and their 403bs and their 501cs and all these other, other, other b's and c's and d's. They gave it all. Wow, Ooh, that's a li- you're getting a little radical there. Oh, it's getting quiet in here this morning. Let me tell you my story. The time I was a little boy, I started working my first job at the age of eight. And at the age of eight, my mama was a Christian, took me to church taught me about tithing. And from the time I was eight years old to the time I was 12 years old, I always tithed. I mean, I, I remember like a little, I remember, I remember my pastor actually using me for an example on Sunday morning. My name was Junior Smith back then, not Eugene Smith. My name was Junior Smith, Junior Smith, you know, and, and my church would send out a quarterly statement and every quarter would tell how much. And, and I just, I loved the guy. I'd, I'd sit on the front row and you know, this was before the day of children's church. We didn't have children's church back then. All the kids were in the service and and I would sit on the front row, and we had these little junior quarterly books. And I would sit on the front. I remember this like yesterday. About nine years old, I'm sitting up to the pastor's preach, you know, and I'm reading my junior quarterly. Because they got stories in there about David and Goliath and whatever, you know. My pastor was boring. And I was up there reading. So I gave him a tie. About 12 years of age, my heart got bitter. I got embittered towards my father. I had a terrible relationship with my father through my middle school and teenage and young adult years. And from that day forward, I started living for myself. I started living for Eugene. What I could, what would please me, make me happy, what I could feel, what I could smoke, what I could drink, whatever I could, you know, it was all about me. And for the next nine years of my life, I lived for me. You know, and as I turned a young man and I left my father's house, I just never had enough. I, I was actually a very successful waiter in a, in, in a fine dining establishment, and I would make, this is like in the late 1970s, early 1980s, I would make $100, $150 a night as, as a waiter in a restaurant, and I never had enough money because I'd get the $100, $150 that night, and that night I would go out and I'd blow it. And I would blow it on, you know, things that I shouldn't have been blowing it on. And I, it just, I mean, it would come rent time. My rent was $300 a month and I could never come up. And I was always scraping to try to get a couple of shifts real quick so I could pay my rent. I was always late on my rent and they were always having to chase me down. And it was just, everything was always tied and money never seemed to work for me. Just, it never seemed to work for me. And then one day, Jesus came, knocked on the door of my heart. And I said, yes, you've heard me tell the story. But the moment I gave my life to Jesus, everything changed. And I'm telling you, it changed instantaneously. I mean, from the moment I gave my life to Jesus and he forgave me. I mean, it just tithing and giving to missions. It was, I mean, I couldn't wait. I do, I remember this. I remember some, you know, because I got cash and sometimes I didn't take cash with me to pay my tithe on Sunday morning. I forget, I remember going down on Monday more than one time going down on Monday morning to the church so I could write my tithe check out and give the missions. Did it every week. And you know what was amazing? I never was late on my rent again. And do you know that since the age of 21, I, I just turned 48 years old today, I've never, ever been late on my rent one time. Come on, give God a big hand. What happened? 
God got a hold of my heart. And God saved this. Not only did God save my heart, God saved my pocketbook. You see, God speaks through the prophet Malachi. The children of Israel were a bunch of rascals. They were loving everything but God. They loved what money could buy. They loved all those kinds of things. And Jesus nails it right in the head when he says this. No man can serve two masters. He says you can't serve money and you can't serve God. Do you know how money's an issue in your life today? Money's an issue in your life when it always seems like no matter how much you make, there's never enough holes in your bag. Money is, money is an issue in your life. This is an area that's not surrendered to the Lord. Listen to me today. When even if you have enough money, you're afraid that you could lose it all. There's that fear. Money's got a grip on you. Money has a grip on your life. Whenever the, the offering plate passes by. I mean, you've been in the most powerful worship service, and you're like, in the worship service, and ooh, Shanda, ooh, I can feel the glory. And then the offering plate passes by, you're like, ooh, Ichabod, ooh, the glory has departed. Ooh, 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 don't touch that thing. Oh, pass that by quickly. Money's an issue in your life. You see, the fact is today, there are a lot of we should ofs in this room. There's a lot of ought to's in this room. And then there's some that say yes. And that some that say yes is a very small percentage. The reality today is that less than three, less, less, the average Christian gives less than 3% of their income to the Lord. 15 to 20% of the people in this congregation pay all the bills. Small percentage of people. People who are faithful. Some will make a lot, some make a little. They're faithful to give. First, the Lord. And everybody else just watches it happen. And God makes a promise. God promises them. He says, listen guys, test me. Test me in this. I'm the God who doesn't change. I'm, I've never changed. From the time of the very beginning, when Abraham offered a tithe to God, from the very beginning, when Abel offered a better sacrifice then Cain, because Abel offered that which cost him. From the very beginning, men have brought offerings and their tithes to God. I am the God who does not change. Old Testament, New Testament, the reality, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He loves you. He cares for you. He, promise, he promises that he will never leave nor forsake you, that he will be your source. The same God that appeared to Moses at the burning bush is the same God that by revelation of His Holy Spirit, when you said yes to Jesus, and He came into your heart, and He cleansed you, and He forgave you, and He gave you a brand new life, is the same God. He never changes. He's in the life-changing business. But the Bible declares that the eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the earth, looking for those whose hearts will be loyal to Him. And there's something about the money. There's just something about the way that it grips the human heart. Guys, come on. This ain't, this ain't rocket science. A tithe means 10%. It's always meant 10%. I mean, you watch the television. Guys got the, the chains on with the great big money symbols. And, and, and you know, I looked at it. I was just the other day. I was just 
cruising through the entertainment section in the news. And this young girl, she's in a rehab center. And this other person's in jail. And this other young girl, she's over here doing this. And this young man is doing this. And he's just coming out of rehab. And this guy here is saying that he's a winner. And he looks like anything but a winner to me. He's the craziest man on the planet. And I mean, how's that working for you? I mean, because the fact is today, just because you got the stuff doesn't mean that you really got the stuff. Next week, I'm going to talk to you about how to make money and how to save money and what to do with your money. But today, I'm going to talk to you about the heart, what God wants you to do with it. You see, God is compassionate. God would have judged them. God should have judged them, but God had compassion on them. And then God says, will a man rob God? Will a man rob God? He said, well, how do we rob you? You rob me by not giving of your tithe and of your offering. And then the correction of God comes. See, it doesn't matter what area. I've had this even in my own life just recently. Because I haven't done this all. There are times that I've let fear come into my life. There's times that I've let worry come into my life. And I know the correction of God. God just spoke to my heart this week about my words. About saying things. Just not speaking faith about something. And I felt that immediately. I felt that check in my heart. That correction of the Holy Spirit. God's Holy Spirit was speaking to me. And see, when God corrects you, when God disciplines you, when God allows enough lack to come into your life, you see, when you live under a curse, and he said if you don't tithe, you'll live under a curse. I'm not, re- I'm not writing this. I'm just reporting this to you. But when you live under a curse, you have an absence of peace in your life. There's a great fear. Fear of the unknown. Fear of relationships. When, when there's a when there's a, not the peace of God that passes all understanding working in your life and your heart, you're looking to other people. You're looking to the government. You're looking to someone else, your paycheck or your boss, to be your source. And it never works that way. So God says, if you don't do this, you'll be under a curse. That's a pretty painful thing for me. I don't want to live under a curse. Because he, cho- he, he gave you a choice today. You have the ability to choose. Thoughts are coming through your mind right now. You're thinking, that is crazy. What is he talking about? Some are cheering me on. Others are looking for the door. But you have all these different thoughts going on right now. And you have the ability to choose. Choice is passing your way. You can say, yes, I'm going to obey. I'm going to believe. I'm going to see the word of God work in my life. Or I'm just going to slide out the back door. I'm going to try it my own way. And at some point, God's going to say, how's that working for you? How's it working for you? How did it work for you before you came to Christ? Talking with a young man this week, man, it just didn't work very well. I mean, things can look really good on the outside, but you know what's going on inside of your heart. You see, the point this morning is that God responds to hearts of, of love and faith. It's not about the number. We're not Christian bean counters today. Counting like like the Pharisees, every mint and every you know every cumin and, and every kind of piece. No, we are people who live open handed. We live generously. And as a matter of fact, Jesus said, tithing is just the starting point. It's just the beginning of seeing great faith released in your life. Jesus said, If you love me, keep my commands. And I will pray the Father, and He will give another helper, the Holy Spirit, who will abide with you forever. Now here's a test. Here's a test. Here's a test. God says that there may be food 
Bring all your tithe. Bring it. Bring your tithe to the storehouse. Now, you know, there's all these guys on the internet, storehouse theology. I'm smart enough to understand what they're saying, and I'm telling you, they're dead wrong. Those guys are dead wrong. For them, it's always about how much they can't give. For me, it's always about how much I can give. Because I ch- whether you give or not doesn't make any difference to me, to me personally. I'm not going to be a res- my salary is set. I'm not going to be a personal recipient. But what I will tell you will happen. When you tithe and God opens the windows of heaven because you have tested him. Let me tell you, you'll begin to sing a song like we used to sing when I was a little boy. That God opened the windows of heaven. The blessings of Christ are falling tonight. There's joy, joy, joy in my heart since Jesus made everything right. I gave him my old tattered garments. He gave me a robe of pure white. I'm feasting on manna from heaven. And that's why the blessings are falling tonight. Oh, the windows of heaven are open. The blessings are falling tonight. There's joy, joy, joy in my heart since Jesus made everything right. You see, God will open the windows of heaven and there will be food in your house. God will supply. He will meet. Come on, someone give me a shout this morning. There will be supply in your house. Your bags, you won't always walk around with holes in your bags. You will all of a sudden start to see things change. You will see your spiritual life change. You will see your family life change. You will see the dynamic of the supernatural of faith as God provides miraculously for you. Because you'll see God as your source and not man. But then he says this. He says, there'll be food in my house. My house. Jesus watched. Let me tell you, Jesus watched. Jesus watched as the people came and brought their tithe to the temple. He watched it. He never told them not to tithe. But he did tell them, he said, stop being a bunch of religious bigot, you bunch of self-serving, mean individuals. Love God. He said, but you ought to have done that. Give your tithe. You ought to do that. Never told them to stop. It's not about law, it's about love, it's about grace, it's about faith. You know, I love you, and I want to see the blessings of God in your life. And there's a great mission that God has given us as a church for this city. This Wednesday night, we had over 300 young people in this building. We had almost 450 on a Wednesday night, almost 500 people on this campus. This campus was designed for 180 people. God wants people saved. God's not willing that anyone should perish. Last year, this church, because of the generosity of a few, we gave $17,000 to Convoy of Hope. Convoy of Hope, this tomorrow, tomorrow, today, they'll feed 90,000 children the only meal that they're going to get. We support 32 missions and missionaries around the globe. And it's because there's people that believe. But there's so much more. There's so much more that God wants to do in the city. There's so many children. There's so many young people. 60 Minutes is reporting in Seminole County that there are literally thousands of children that go to bed hungry every night in Seminole County. A man in our church wants to start feeding them. I'm saying, God, go. 
We need more God. We need more resources to advance the cause of Christ. We need the windows of heaven open over God's people as they obey. I want to introduce to you a young woman who's chose to obey. Her name is Dora Tompkins. And today, you need to hear her story. Can we welcome Dora Tompkins from the City Church platform as she comes this morning? Come on over, Dora. Have a seat. Three services. Thank you. This is just number two. Amen. Well, Dora, uh, my wife was sharing with me, and I don't know if you were in a small group or where you had shared your testimony, but uh, you had just talked about how God had worked in your heart concerning this area of tithing. And let's just find out a little bit about yourself. Tell us where you're from. I'm from Sanford, Florida. From Sanford, Florida. Born and you and went, raised. okay, and where'd you go to high school? Uh, Lake High you went to Lake Merham uh, High School. You grew up here in Sanford. And come, tell me about your church background. Tell me about your church experience. Um, I always went to church. Um, I got saved at a, young, at a young age and was made to go with my grandmother. Um, I kind of backslid. I was. There you go. Can you hear? Okay. <laughs> I, you backslid. I, so you turned from the Lord. Yeah, I turned from the Lord. And um, I stopped when I, when she stopped making me go, I stopped going for years because I didn't want to be a hypocrite and because I wanted to do what I wanted to do, but it just didn't help me at all to do what I wanted. So what, to do. what was some of the consequences, what were some of the results of, of that kind of lifestyle and living for yourself? Well, I'm a single mom of four children. That was a result of that, and um, with my last son I had, I, I um, the dad was not there about my third month of um, pregnancy. So I went through that by myself, but I told, I um, accepted God in my life again. I rededicated myself to him, and I said, you know what, Lord, I'm just going to completely give everything to You're you. You're going to surrender everything. I'm going to surrender everything. So you're about three months pregnant, four mm -hmm. kids, not enough, a lot of stress. A lot of stress, a lot of, um, you know, trying to pay this, trying to pay that, just couldn't do it, couldn't make ends meet. Nothing seemed to work. Nothing worked at all. So one day you said, okay, God, I'm going to give it to you. Well, tell me what happened. And, what was, and, where, and where were you going to church at the time? Um, I came here, I'd visit, and then I kind of drifted off, and then I was like, you know what, I'm going to come back because I felt comfortable And I heard there here. was somebody that kept calling you while you were gone. What was his name? Kenny. Kenny Hallam. <laughs> How about that? Anybody ever get a call from Kenny? <laughs> he made me feel real, real welcome kind of overwhelmed at first, but <laughs> <laughs> he, he made me feel real welcome, so I, I said, okay, I'm going to come back, and I'm going to make this my home, and um, I think it was because of him, uh -huh, <laughs> persistence, sure. um, but I, I I had an issue with giving and, and paying tithes because I was like looking at the funds and looking at so my you're looking bills at how much you had and, and the bills and, my kids, and it wasn't adding up. It, it wasn't adding up, and um, I was like, oh, you know, I could go to Gimme Church this. I can pay this bill with this. And I was just like, I don't know if they're doing the right thing with my money, but oh, I can do it. I, you I, didn't I, trust the preacher. I no. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so this is, I mean, this is what some of you probably, and you're sitting there, yeah, yeah, okay. So let's hear, now we're going to hear the rest of the story. So what happened? So I said, you know what, God, I just don't care. I don't care what they do with it. I'm just going to do my part. This is what you want me to do. And I'm 
your word. Single mom, four kids. You say you're going to provide my needs, and I need you to provide my needs. Wow. Um, right after I had my son, well, during the whole pregnancy, I had everything I needed. So you started tithing. I started tithing. I had everything I needed for my son. My bills were paid, food you know, on my table. My kids were happy, healthy. We had everything we possibly needed. Come on, let's give uh-huh. big God a hand. <laughs> so then what happens? Um, right after my son was born, my grandfather came to me and he's like, look, you know, I, I need you to be in, you know, my grandfather was 81. He wanted me to have a place for me and my children. He didn't want us to rent. He didn't want us to just, you know, have to struggle. So he said, listen, I'm going to sign this house over to you. This is going to be your house. I'm a house that was free and clear. Free and clear, already paid for. Wow. So he gave me the house. Come on. It, it needed a lot of work. It, it's built in 1920, so it needed a lot of work. I had to build it up from the floor up. And, um, Said, okay, God, you know, I have this house and I got to do all this work and where I'm going to get this money from. And he sent me my uncle's brother-in-law who remodels homes. And I got most majority of my house rebuilt with under $10,000. Oh, come on, big God. <laughs> and it, it just, it seemed, I just seemed to have the money. I was remodeling my room, and before I could get it finished, it, it started raining. I believe that God made this rain just for me because it, it let me know that, hey, I need a roof because now I'm seeing like, oh, my God, it's leaking. Like, man, a new roof, it's going to cost a lot of money, and I'm, you know what, Lord, you take me this far. I'm not going to worry about it. Um, I told the guy, I said, look, I need a new roof. It's the room is leaking, and he's like, well, you know what? Your uncle has enough shingles to do your whole house, and he's had it just sitting there for over 10 years, and so I called my uncle. I'm like, look, hey, um, I was told that you had these shingles, and he's like, what are you calling me for? I already told him to give it to you, so God knew I I needed it. So 10 years before, your uncle bought shingles. They sat there, and now they're on the roof of your house. And now they're on the roof of my house. Wow. Amen. So your children are, what are, what are the ages of your children? Um, I have a seven-month-old, a four-year-old, six-year-old, and an eight-year-old. Uh, and tell me how, tell me what you're doing to, to teach your children the ways of God. Um, well, I'm making, I, I pay my tithe Marvin. I wake up on, I get direct deposit Friday morning before I even look at my account because I already know it's there. Before I can think of anything else, before I brush my teeth. Yeah, what time is this? Six o'clock in the morning. Six, you get your kids up at six o'clock in the morning. Get them up at six o'clock in the morning. Um, I have them come in the room and I show them, look, mommy's subtracting this because this is what God gave her. This is what I need to give back. And then I go to the website and I show them I'm entering in my name and everything. And I pay my tithes online and I let them see that I'm paying it online because I don't pay it in church. I don't want to have time to think about what else I could be doing with God's money. I just go ahead and pay it, and then I think about everything else later. Come on. Okay, she, the Bible calls that first fruits. Before you pay any of the bills, she gives God what's his. And she does a 
Because you love Jesus. Yes. What would you tell the people out there? I would say pray on it, but pay your tithe. You never know what would happen. I went from having $20, and that $20 would have to pay for me to have food for my kids to now having so much that I can just give it away or, you know, help others. I, I recall a friend who needed, and I just went through my house and said, here, you keep those here, feed 12 here, and you take this. Right. And I had enough to do that where before I couldn't, I'm sorry, I don't know what to tell you. I can't wow. give you none because I hardly have myself. Wow. So test me, <laughs> Test me now in this. I will give God my first and my best so he can bless my rest. I mean, Dora, and she's the first to admit she didn't do it all right, but she returned to God. And she gave God his first. See, because it's about the issue of the heart. I want you to bow your heads right now. Just go ahead and stay right there. I want you to bow your heads. The Holy Spirit is speaking to hearts today. Guys, this isn't self-serving. This isn't about me. This is all about you. It's all about what God wants to do to you so he can get it through you so he can make you a blessing, so you can really live the blessed life.